This is When All Else Fails, an internet radio show about video games and the stories composed from them. I am Eric M. Hunter. Mighty Number no. 9 has finally been released. That's right, it's finally been released. The Mega Man-inspired phenomenon with the botched Kickstarter delay after delay, issue after issue, the game is finally released. Now, I want to preface this and say I am definitely one of the Kickstarters uh, for this game. I backed at the $60 tier, which got you a digital download of your choice, either Xbox uh, One or 360, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Steam. Obviously opted for the Steam version. The $60 tier also comes with a retro-inspired manual, physical manual, a physical box with uh, the American-style graphics art, whatever that means. Which, those things I have yet to receive, obviously. Uh, but the game was, as I've played the game, I'm happy to say. And you know what? It's not that bad. It's really not. It's really not that bad. The, the demo that was released wasn't that good at all. But I don't think the demo did the game justice. I really don't. Um, there's a lot of things that I that I don't like about it that I feel, okay, you know, raising $3.5 million and then getting extra funding on top of that uh, from producers and publishers would have made a, for a better game. But it's not that bad. It's not. There's a, there's a lot of things that Mighty Number no. 9 does great. And there's a lot of things that it just does very poorly. And... I know for a lot of people, especially those who are Kickstarters uh, at the higher tiers, I mean, 60 bucks, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot to kickstart for a game, uh, especially now that it's been released. It's only $20 on Steam. So I really hope that this box art and this game manual, it, it's worth $40. I really hope that, but I'm sure it'll be another six to 12 months before I see that, which is is fine because at this point i'm i'm actually happy that i am a part of all of this <laughs> like i'm happy that i've gone through this entire journey from the initial kickstarter video to them telling saying that it's going to be delayed to them asking for a more money on indiegogo i think it was or maybe they wanted they did another kickstarter and then they try to kickstart another game while this one had already been delayed and the money had already been received which failed was the red asphalt, which was supposed to be like a Mega Man Legends game, basically. And now that it's been finally released and everybody just fucking hates it, like it's <laughs> I'm happy to be a part of this entire journey because, you know, five to ten years from now, nobody's going to remember like how much money the Kickstarter raised and how many times it was delayed and uh, your chief designer on the game stating that it's better than nothing during one of the live streams on the game's release. Like, nobody's going to remember any of this. They're just going to see a $20 game that kind of looks like Mega Man. That's okay. It's very mediocre, and it's and it's design. Uh, it's... <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about this game. Like, I am a, I am a, a huge Mega Man fan. Like, I absolutely adore Mega Man. Uh, I have said some very crass and rigid things about Mega Man and the series in whole 
uh, anybody who's followed me on social media or back in the one more podcastle days, I I have very heartfelt things to say about Mega Man. I have very strong opinions about the series in whole. Not afraid to say those either. And I fell into the same gap and well that everybody else did when Mighty Number no. 9 was announced. I mean, that Kickstarter video, if you go back and watch that Kickstarter video, I mean, you can you can see that what he was trying to create was just another Mega Man game. That's all he wanted. He wanted to create a list of characters and backstory and this these plot devices that he could use again and again, much like he did with Mega Man. How could you not be on board? Like, how could you not be on board when the developer of the main Mega Man series says, I want to make another Mega Man game, but I can't because Capcom owns all of those rights. So I'm going to make another adventure platforming action game with a guy who's got a gun for an arm. And when you fight bosses and defeat them, you take their weaknesses and their or you take their, their powers and you can use those powers against other bosses as their weakness to kill the boss faster. Like that in a nutshell is Mega Man. Like now, what Mega Man is today is a far longer story to get into. With the X series evolving the way it did, and now you have Battle Network and just a slew of other things. Like Mega Man is not what Mega Man is anymore. Like that Mega Man does not exist anymore. Like you're better off searching through indie games. To find if you, if you're looking for that Mega Man experience again, because you're not going to find it from Capcom, that just it just doesn't exist anymore. Like it just it just doesn't. So how could you not kickstart this game? And I'm playing it, and I'm and I've only played for maybe about two to three hours at this point of me recording this, but I've I've blown through probably all of like the Robot Masters with the exception of two. So I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of what Mighty Number no. Nine is, and it's very lukewarm. Just the overall game is very lukewarm. And that's sad because I was obviously very much anticipating this to be a great game. And it's just okay. But it's not as bad as what everybody's making it out to be. You know, like uh, Beck, who you play, who's essentially Mega Man. Uh, he feels fantastic. Just the way he jumps and moves. Uh, his dash mechanic uh, in the game. It feels great. Like I, if you are a veteran or even an amateur player of any of what I would consider the classic Mega Man or Mega Man X games for the Super NES, it's a it's a very pick it's a very easy pick up and play for Mighty Number no. Nine. Like it, you you get the sensation of playing Mega Man again very quickly. So that which I as many indie games I've played who have been trying to be a Mega Man game that. That, that is very easy to falter. That's very easy to fail at that. Like, just to get that essence of what, how Mega Man feels when you're running and jumping and shooting. Like, that's, so that, they did that perfect. The level design is plain. They didn't take enough chances with it. They didn't experiment. Because the game comes off as just a very, very linear way of doing things. And none of it is exciting to do do it's all just very point a to point b the the enemies are just at first they're they're great you know because it's everything seems new and different and you're 
fighting these enemies and you're trying to figure out how many shots they take before you can actually destroy them or how the projectiles and the trajectory of those projectiles like it's all a very fun discovery state of that game but after like the intro level and then playing an additional level you're not really introduced to any new enemies like the enemy types are repeated so quickly it's it's weird like they made a core set of like five or six enemies and said okay here's you know here's nine levels with these five or six enemies over and over again like it just doesn't feel finished really it just doesn't if it still feels like a, a proof of concept for the game um one of the biggest aspects of just Mega Man in general are the the robot masters of course you know like the fighting the, the bosses at the end and figuring out their patterns and uh, Mighty Number no. Nine does a great job of introducing these robot masters and why they matter to the story in a whole. Um, they they do uh, the very Bloodborne slash um, Dark Souls, where when you get down to half their health bar, they add added attacks, so it becomes like a completely different fight, which is great. You know, it's just more to learn. Um, but man, those weaknesses are pathetic they do literally nothing nothing to add to that final battle you know typically in a in a mega man game you know when you figure out the boss order or whose weakness is to which weapon realistically you're hitting them but you're not adding really anything to it like rather than hitting them for one piece of health you're hitting them for two or three or something like that like at the end of the day that's all those those weaknesses do it doesn't really add any benefit to the game other than just fighting the robot master faster and one boss battle that i had uh against uh, i believe it was mighty number no. two she was a like a ice i can't remember exactly what her name was uh, but obviously to, to fight ice you need fire so you fight the pyro guy first and then you fight the ice chick second and there during her second stage of battle so you go through the the first initial patterns with her and then you get her down to half health and then she goes to like a whole different set of, of attacks at that point and she's like hovering in the air and she's just out of jump reach to hit so like when you jump and shoot like you're just out of reach like you have to hit it just perfect to hit her and it's only a one hit thing so I switched over to the special weapon, the, the fire, which is her weakness. And that ability is basically just creates an orb of fire around you. Just so it's a very small, isolated, like it's not a projectile. It's just, you know, kind of a combustion thing. And which was perfect because rather than having to worry about jumping and shooting at just the arc of the jump so it hits her, I could be at practically any height to hit her. Now, that helped me in the long run because it made me defeat her quicker, but it also added a new dynamic to the game. It gave you that leg up and the battle that you would not have had if you had not defeated the pyro guy and knew that that was going to be her weakness was the fire, which they've completely taken out all mystery of this game. So the pyro guy is mighty number one and the game select screen is not designed like you would assume it to be with a Mega Man game. It's, it's linear. It goes from left to right. It's not in a grid where you can actively choose, where there doesn't seem to give you any seemingly path to take. It is a one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to nine. And so my first initial response would be to, okay, well, I'm going to fight number one. When you fight number one and beat him, 
and you go back to the stage selection, there is an extra added button underneath each level to choose. There is the advice button. If you click on the advice button, the previous robot master who is now your friend tells you that they are going here to do this very specific thing and that you should come along too. So the game is telling you which path to take, which completely takes out all of the mystery of learning these robot masters moves and their weaknesses and their patterns. Like it completely takes, it's an, it's just giving you a very nonsensical way of playing the game. Like there is no mystery anymore. If there's an advice button underneath that particular stage that wasn't there before, then that's the stage that you take next. And that's very upsetting to me because that's, that was one of the greatest things about that game was the ability to think I can fight these monsters any way I want to fight them. And it's up to me to figure out what works where, but this just completely takes all of that out. It's just, it's running on the Unreal Engine, which if anybody who's played Unreal or played any game that runs on the Unreal Engine, like they look pretty impressive, like maybe not photorealistic, but pretty damn close. And I understand that this is, this game's designed to be like a 2.5D, you know, platformer game that we all know and love. So... You know, I'm not looking for bombastic graphics at all. But playing this game and knowing that it's running on the Unreal Engine is a little hard to believe because the game comes off like you're playing... Everything's very low polygon, which is fine. Uh, but the, And the game plays like you're playing on a Dreamcast, which I'm all for. But then I keep thinking back to like, oh my god, you raised $3.5 million. You took two extra years longer than you should have to build this game. Why does it look like this? Why does the fire look like pizza? Because it does. Like the fire and the explosions, they, the, the polygon, it looks like pizza. Like a really close-up image of pizza. You know, like Beck looks great. And the robot masters look great. Just in terms of design and look and feel. But, like, the backgrounds are boring. And the platforms are boring. Like, everything's very, like, one-shaded colors. And... There's just not a lot going on in the environment of the game. Like the, and the story is, it's, it's a very Mega Man-esque story. It's a very, oh, these robots are going crazy and hurting things and blowing shit up. And we don't know why. Well, it's got to be this evil doctor who flipped the switches. Go stop him. So it's a, it's a Mega Man story. And I'm fine with that. But when you have to stop between each level and explain to me what's going on or... In the middle of a level, you have to tell me that, oh, looks like you're going into a tunnel. The visibility is going to be low. And really all you're doing is just dropping the darkness maybe 20% so it doesn't even matter. Like if you're bothering me to play this game, like that's, that's, not how you're, that's not how you do it. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Like I don't need all of this just breaking of the line of sight when I play this game. Like every time somebody comes on to tell me something that realistically has no bearing on what I'm doing, like it completely takes me out of the game. And the voice acting is just so over the top that it's kind of ridiculous. There's weird breaks and strange, odd place silences between lines, like to the point where a character is very upset and you can tell by their voice that they're very upset. But they'll say one line of dialogue and the text at the bottom will scroll and the game will wait. And then we'll say another line of dialogue and the text will scroll and it will wait. Like there's no reason for these breaks. Like it, 
It doesn't sound like a conversation. It sounds like somebody's reading off a script, which obviously is what they're doing. But it's you're supposed to spark a dialogue, and it's supposed to sound like a dialogue. It's not supposed to sound like a monologue. Not supposed to sound like you're reading pages off a script, you know, or words off a script, pages off a script, words off a script, you know. And these the words that are written, uh, I mean, it's puns. There's so many dumb, childish puns in this game. I, I, <laughs> it's just something else that takes me out of it because in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they put that here? Why would they? Why would they put this in my Mega Man game? And that's the problem is it's not a Mega Man game. It's 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 Mighty Number no. 9, which is not Mega Man. He looks like Mega Man. There's another character called Call who's red. It's a it's a woman, robot, blonde hair who looks just like Roll, but it's not Roll. Her name's Call, you know. <laughs> I don't and I I think the reason why well I know the reason why people are upset because it's like, "Oh, look at all this money that we gave this guy." And this is the product that we get. I mean, come on. Have you not been following Kickstarter? Did you not see the debacle that was Double Fine with their with their Reds adventure game? I mean, this as regular people, as regular people who play games, we don't understand how the process of getting a game created from nothing to finished product works. We don't know what's involved. We don't know the people that are needed. We don't know the stamina. We don't know the basics of housing and having to pay insurance because it's a business. You're running a business. We don't understand how that works as just gamers, as just people who play games. We don't know how that looks. What it does look like is we gave this guy $3.5 million when he only asked for, I believe, $500,000 to create this game. So the game that we gave him, we gave him 10 times more than he wanted, but yet... So we should have gotten a game that was 10 times better than he pitched us, right? Isn't that how that works? It's not. That's not how it works. We don't know how it works, but it sure as hell doesn't work like that. And I think that's the biggest disconnect for us. Like, I stopped myself from kickstarting this game. I did. Oh, God, I wanted to kickstart it so bad. I didn't because I was already burned. I knew exactly what was going to happen. This game was going to be shit. It was going to take forever to come out. It was just going to be plagued. I was going to be upset. I didn't want to be upset. But then something happened. And what happened was they hired on... The woman, and her name escapes me, and I apologize for that, because she is a a very, very well composer. She was the original composer for, like, the first six Mega Man games on the NES. Like, music that I will never forget, that I'll find myself humming when I'm doing other things, just nonchalantly, out of the blue. You know, Cutman's theme music is going to hit my head. Or... Woodman stage and I'm going to sit there and I'm just going to sing the whole song to myself because those those songs stick with people like just the way that they've they're it's just very well done it's very well composed when the announcement that they had gotten her to do the soundtrack for Mighty Number no. 9 was when I gave him my $60 and I'm happy to say that the music is terrible because of course it's terrible because that's what that's what made me kickstart this game was this very specific composer coming on and doing the soundtrack for this new game. I was like, man, I'm going to get some kick-ass music out of this game at the very least. And it's trash. It is not good. It is very forgettable. There, it's very repeatable. It's it's just it's just not good music and video games in general. It's not good. It's not. And of course, it's not. Because that's what I wanted. I wanted to 
here's some great tunes. And I'm and I'm playing this game and I'm thinking, if you gave me $3.5 million in three years, I could make a better game. Because I feel like, and I don't know shit about making games. Like my extent of making video games is, is uh, you know, watching documentaries and playing around on Game Maker. You know, like I don't know shit about making games. Especially not the actual process of sitting down and coding them. I mean, I have a coding, I have a coding background. I know, I know how software works, and I have an idea, a very vague idea, of how to do. If I want to do this very specific thing in a game environment, how is that? How does that translate into coding? I, I understand that much. So, if you gave me three point five million dollars and three years, I would have to teach myself how to three D model. I would have to teach myself how to program for those 3D models and go through all the steps of trial and error and taking classes and, you know, just regular practice. I still believe I could have made a better game for one small factor is because when you play Mighty Number no. 9 and you really look at the small aspects of the game and how they make a whole. So every small piece from level design to game design to the way things move to the way things feel when they move and the the effects that are that bridge all of that together and the connection between how the player interacts with the controller which inter interacts with the character on screen and just how a Mega Man game goes. I feel like I could have made a better game because none of those things work together. There is no consistent flow between all of those aspects. And all of those aspects make out a game. Like Beck, like I said earlier, Beck plays and feels awesome. But the backgrounds are horrendous. And the platforming and level design is boring. So how could they work so hard to make that one little piece of the game so great and everything else so mediocre? And I think it's because he just did not go back and do his homework. It's been 20 years, 30 years almost, since he's made a Mega Man game, like a legit Mega Man game for like the NES. It's been that long, you know, not counting, you know, Mega Man 8 and Mega Man 9 because, or Mega Man 9 and Mega Man 10, because those games, I mean, yes, they're, they're Mega Man games. They're 2D, they're 8-bit, they're hard as nails, like that, you know, general Mega Man games. But his heart and soul... When he was released in one through six and such a short time span with Capcom, like he was in the thick of it at that point. And to go this long, if you can't go back and just sit down and either watch somebody else play the game or play the game yourself or both and take notes and make realizations of things that you may have not have noticed when you were making them way back then, but you do now because you're, you know, you're older, you're more mature, you're more worldly, you understand things differently and it's a more detailed way. I just don't, I don't think he did that. And that would have been step one for me before any of the rest, before any of the programming learning or before any of the, the 3D models or any of that stuff. I would have went back and spent at least 48 hours playing these games over again, trying to go back and remember why they were great, why people liked them back then, and how you bring that fun and that design into 2016 to appeal to both those who played it back then and newcomers now. How do you do that? And I don't think he did that. I don't. Because playing Mighty Number no. 9, you can tell that he laxed over the, the level design and he, he laxed over the story. Like, I think 
he didn't go back and do his homework. And that's like the number one thing you have to do before you jump into any project, let alone it be, you know, something that does with corporate America or making a movie or anything that involves creativity. If you don't take the time to go back and look at the work that's already there for you to see and evaluate that relates to what you're going to do. So you can try to learn from the the pitfalls and problems that they ran into. So you don't have to, it's, it's a lot like parenting, you know, like if you're a parent or if you're going to be a parent, or if you want to be a parent, you want to make sure that your child doesn't do the same bonehead things that you did, you know? So you're going to teach them to be like, Hey, don't do this because I did that. And it sure as hell didn't work out. So save yourself the time and just don't do this very specific thing. Why would you not take the time to, to create those shortcuts for yourself? So when you're sitting around a table with a bunch of guys and people who are wanting to create this very specific thing and be like, okay, here's the do nots. Here's the list of things we don't do for very obvious reasons, because so-and-so did them 10 years ago and it sure as hell didn't work out. So we're not going to do that. Because as much as you want to think the market hasn't changed, a good game will always be a good game. You know, nobody's going to remember 10 years from now how much this Kickstarter raised, how many times it was delayed, you know, how he said it was better than nothing. Nobody's going to remember any of that stuff. All they're going to see is a very mediocre game that kind of plays like Mega Man that's worth 20 bucks. That's all you're going to see. And for the rest of us who kickstarted the game, who was there the entire journey from start to finish. And for some of us who are still like, I mean, come on. But I guess when all else fails. Hey, thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I would appreciate if you told as many people as you cared about it because podcasting is built on word of mouth. And that is what this podcast needs is word of mouth. Uh, If you'd like to be a participant of the show, either by submitting your own video game story or insights to something that I may have spoken about, or even advertising, send all those inquiries to eric at iameric.com.